When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're looking at um, a feast of the church, a celebration of an event in Jesus' life, but also a deeper reality that it points to that affects every single one of us. Today, February 2nd, in the Christian calendar, recognizes the Feast of Candlemas, or the Presentation of Our Lord, or Groundhog Day. Um, All three sort of being similar, and yet the uh, first two have nothing to do with winter going uh, longer or anything like that. But this moment in Jesus' life where he is presented in the temple is probably, well, in my opinion, one of the most ancient things that Jesus does. And and it connects him to both the requirement in the law of Moses to for his parents to take him to the temple, as Luke tells us. He's being presented there to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy, to the Lord. And they go. Uh, and so he did it to fulfill, or his parents did it on his behalf, to fulfill the requirements of the law, which every family had to do. Not only had to do, but got to do. But that tradition and that law, that every time you have a male child, or the first time you have a male child, you must go to the temple and there offer on behalf of the child, an animal sacrifice, whether it's a larger animal like a goat or sheep, lamb, or if you're poorer, a smaller animal like two turtle doves, like Jesus' parents do, you are trading the animal's life for your child's life. You are redeeming that life, which points to a much older tradition and practice in humanity, the recognition that... um, that there is something owed in every birth, um, that there is some debt to pay, that there is some, uh, something about this child that in a earlier age and in a more brutal time, this child would be offered to the, to the deities as a sacrifice himself. Your most treasured possession given to God. We see echoes of this given to the gods or the spirits or whoever um, demands it. And you see this echo in the story of Abram, Abraham and Isaac, God telling him to go sacrifice his only son, his only son Isaac. Um, This was a, a, a much older echo than the law of Moses. Abraham is before Moses. And so even Abraham participates with God in this probably fairly standard practice in some sort of society that the people of God um, originated in, where this really the most awful kind of human sacrifice that we can imagine was practiced. We know that human sacrifice existed in every single culture around the world, including Uh, European culture, uh, including every culture at some point in time. Uh, 
this notion that you could sway the gods by giving the gods your most precious thing is something that is deeply baked into the human soul and psyche and archetype, archetypical world that we inhabit. We see echoes of it also in the Old Testament where a king of Israel sacrifices his own son. Um, we see echoes of it in, um, in archaeology and all, all over the ancient world that um, this practice was practiced. And so this practice of buying your child back, buying your child back or offering another animal in your, chi- your firstborn son's place um, is what they are doing. Now, it's been ritualized, it's been sacramentalized, it's been uh, ordained to be the law of God in the, book of Mo- in the law of Moses. And Jesus' parents do this because there's something true about it. There's something true about it that all of these, this mythology and all of these ancient practices witness to. You can see this again and again in Holy Scripture. Whenever there's the issue of, of blood, um, any comment on blood or anything that's happening with, with blood, there will be ritualized cleansing rituals, redemption rituals that, that, that go with it. And it's also for the purification of Mary, Jesus' mother. In modern America, we don't really see childbirth as a place of defilement. We see that as much a really backwards way of looking at childbirth or or anything like that. And yet for most cultures, including ours as Anglicans, um, required women after giving birth to go through a purification ritual. Um, And it can be looked at in a number number of different ways. Uh, We know that the law of Moses states that um, really anytime you see, as I said earlier, encountering blood, which that happens in in childbirth, um, any kind of um, part, any kind of event where that is taking place, whether it's menstruation or childbirth um, or war or war, there must be a, a purification ritual after it, recognizing that some, in some way human life um, and the precious life of humanity has been shed in this way. Um, the life of the flesh is in the blood is a motto of scripture. And so in this purification ritual, as Mary um, also comes back into the community after this, after her childbirth, we can also see echoes of a much older practice that predates the Bible. Um, Humanity recognizing not just the loss of blood in childbirth, but also the risk of childbirth. Uh, in the archetypes of humanity, um, based on the way life was for most people before this thing we call civilization started, um, was that the two big events of your life for men and women, stereotypically um, and archetypically, are childbirth for women or menstruation being the place where they encounter the risk of death first, and then uh, war being the place where men encounter the risk of bloodshed and death as well. So those two things go together um, in in archetypes and also in the way that they're handled in the Old Testament. When you went to war, there was a purification ritual after 
um, after that to come back, just as there was for childbirth. And it's in the churching of women. We have this service in our prayer book today, Thanksgiving for the birth of a child. It's the most wonderful thing to pray with a new, uh, new child and their family. And so Jesus is participating in human life in this, on this day. And he, is, he encounters these people who hang out at church a lot, Simeon and Anna. They are the patron saints of, of those people that just are sort of always there at the, in the building somewhere or out on the grounds uh, tending to the, the foliage and things. Um, they are people who know that they want to spend the rest of their lives in the, in the presence of God. And I think that Simeon, this is not in the text, I think he picked up every baby that came in there and held them up and said, this is the one. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know if that's true. But he, um, he gets it right this time. And he says, this is the one. And there's a, a really difficult prophecy about Mary's sorrow. A sword will pierce your heart as well. And then the prophet Anna comes in, and she is also there living in the temple. And she's, she was married for seven years, and then a widow for the rest of her life, 84 years, I think, after that. And she is there, and she blesses this child. Um, so there's this moment of recognition, this link to the past that happens in this story, a beautiful link, not only to the past of Simeon and Anna's life, they weren't a couple, they were two people with two distinct ministries. And the, not only a link to these older people's lives, which is very important in the story, but also a link to the ultimate story of humanity, that the hallmark of this life is not a bunch of roses and flowers all the time. It is really, really hard. And there is bloodshed, and there is loss, and there is grief, and there is pain, there are swords that pierce our hearts. There is really difficult things that we go through. And Jesus is right there with us in those moments, right there in every moment of our lives. No matter how difficult they are or insurmountable they seem or even how much blood is shed in each one of those moments, Jesus is right there with us. He's entered our humanity, lived among us, dwelt among us, been one of us, so that when that event happens that Simeon prophesies, the, the sword piercing Mary's heart, when he is crucified for you and for me, he will absorb into his body all of humanity, including the sinful parts, including the parts where we hurt each other, the stuff that you and I have done and left undone, and all humanity has done. He will absorb that into his life and redeem it buy it back. He is also the two turtle doves. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is the ram that is caught in the thicket with Abraham and Isaac. He is the one who sheds his blood for all of us. Amen. The Song of Simeon, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
Page 53, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Page 55. O Lord, save thy people and bless thine heritage. Govern them and lift them up forever. Day by day we magnify thee, and we worship thy name ever, world without end. Vouchsafe, O Lord, to keep us this day without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. O Lord, in thee have I trusted. Let me never be confounded. We pray a colic for the feast of the presentation of our Lord in the temple. Almighty and ever-living God, we humbly pray that as your only begotten Son was this day presented in the temple, so we may be presented to you with clean and pure hearts by Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And a prayer for mission, which echoes the words of Simeon and Anna. Lord Jesus Christ, who did stretch out thine arms of love on the hard wood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of thy saving embrace. So clothe us in thy spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know thee to the knowledge and love of thee for the honor of thy name. Amen.